Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, um, before we do uh, one, one more sitting in which we'll be including thoughts as well in the, uh, the meditation field, just wanted to share with you a few things about uh, the meditation and thoughts uh, and a little bit more about how mindfulness works. And then after the sitting, we'll have another uh, talk and a chance to have to see what's out there and have, have some Q&A. Um, we, most of the time, are living in our thoughts, living in this world of thought, going around with our own reality, absolutely sure this is the reality, the truth, and if only everybody else would understand the truth, things would be fine. Um, Unfortunately, everybody else is walking around in their own reality that makes complete sense to them, not realizing that it is their own mind-created reality. And every now and then, it coincides and, uh, and intersects. But part of the, the freedom of the meditation is realizing that um, you're not your thoughts. But you don't have to get rid of your thoughts. Somebody was just, uh, we were just talking and um, saying, uh, she was saying how, well, I, I can see the, the, the value of, of getting rid of your thoughts, you know, but how does mindfulness work? And I just want to first explain, don't try to get rid of your thoughts. The more you try to get rid of your thoughts, if I say right now, do not think about a pink elephant. Get it out of your head. Now try really hard to get it out of your head. What happens? It's the only thing in your mind, right? The more you try to push a thought away, the more life you give it. It's just how it works. And we find ourselves in that mode a lot. We get bothered by our thoughts. There might be a worrisome thought. What if this happens? And then you keep on finding yourself caught in that as you're trying to push away those thoughts. Stop worrying. Get it out. Or you find yourself anger, angry, and then you get anger, angry that there's anger, you know, and you're just feeding it. So it's this paradox. The more you try to get rid of something, the more life you give it. <clears throat> when I first started doing this meditation practice, I thought if I was doing it right, it would be like this giant vacuum cleaner would come and <laughs> suck all the thoughts away and I'd be blank. Don't wait for that to happen. That's not how it works. And you don't need to get rid of anything. Thoughts are not the enemy. Spirit Rock was 
a few people's thought. And lo and behold, here's a meditation center. This day was a thought. Everything comes out of thoughts. And there's beautiful thoughts, and there's um, not so beautiful thoughts, and there's ugly thoughts, and there's cruel thoughts, and there's loving thoughts. So it's not that you have to get rid of them. It's just that you can see them clearly so that you're not confused by them. And thoughts have tremendous power in our being, not just in our mind, but in our body. As a little experiment, close your eyes for a moment, and I'm going to say a word and notice what happens. Trouble. Trouble. Notice any associations. Notice what happens inside your body, in your mind. Trouble. Okay, I won't leave you here. Take a nice breath. And I'll say another word. Now that you've erased the board in your mind. Kindness. Kindness. Notice what, it, what it's like inside. Notice how it feels. Kindness. Notice what it feels like in your body and in your mind, in your heart. Kindness. Okay, you can open your eyes. Notice any difference? Now, those are two words, complete non sequiturs, not connected to anything, just coming out of my mouth, plopped into your consciousness. And one probably led to a little stirring up and another maybe some relaxing and, and connecting. Can you imagine what happens when you replay certain thoughts over and over and over? Whether they're worrying thoughts or fearful thoughts or judging thoughts or angry thoughts. It's like your whole system is being fed by hitting that replay button. So this is, again, not to get rid of your thoughts, because there's lots of beautiful thoughts, too. It's just to see them for what they are. They're as real as you believe them to be, or as empty as you understand them to be. My teacher, Joseph Goldstein, has a very simple, effective in instruction. He says, if you're in a room full of people meditating and uh, you're bothered by your thoughts, just imagine they're coming from the person behind you. <laughs> Takes a whole lot of drama out of it, you know. You just picked up some radio waves, you know. And certainly you have certain patterns that you've practiced, but when you don't take it personally, or get into, why am I having this thought again? That just leads nowhere. To just see, oh, it's just a thought. It's just thinking, oh, thinking. And when you can see for yourself how empty those thoughts are, then you can um, stop yourself from getting caught in the whole drama. 
I wanted to read to you a, 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 a great passage that I have in uh, Awakening Joy um, of uh, my dear friend Sylvia Borstein, who teaches here every Wednesday morning. She's teaching the, the retreat up the, up the hill, the month-long retreat. And uh, she came, um, she's one of the uh, uh, guest speakers at uh, the Awakening Joy class, and she was talking about mindfulness and how it can change everything. It gives you a different perspective. And this is a little anecdote to explain this. She said, um, one evening she was, staying, she was staying in New York City and she'd arranged to meet a friend for a theater performance and uh, she decided to take a bus to, to get there. As the bus crept along through the heavy traffic, Sylvia started worrying. I'm going to be late. I'll miss the curtain. My friend will worry about what happened to me. I shouldn't have taken the bus. The subway would have been so much faster. Figuring she could walk faster than the bus was going, Sylvia got off. And of course, as I'm walking, the bus passes me by. And now I'm thinking I should have taken a cab. Now, Sylvia has been meditating for years, but she's also, um, she's a fretter. She's a worrier. Uh, so it was easy for her to get into that response. So she continues her story. She's describing running down Broadway in high heels with a cold wind whipping around her. And then all of a sudden, she says, I have the thought, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I'm grumbling. That's a thought of mindfulness. Up until then, I was caught up in a habit-driven narrative, an editorial comment about what was happening. But the moment at which the mind says, oh, Sylvia, you're grumbling, kindly, Sylvia, you're grumbling, the lens switches, and suddenly the truth of that moment is, I'm a 71-year-old woman running down Broadway in the middle of winter in high heels. That is far out. That is an extremely fortunate thing to be able to do. It changed everything. I felt proud, and I actually hoped a lot of people saw me. This is how mindfulness works. Instead of being in the middle of the drama, you just say, oh, yes, having a meltdown. That's what's going on. Freaking out. That's what we're doing. Not that you're certainly going to probably stir, be stirred up for a little while because your, your body and the hormones have kicked in, but there's a little bit of space around it. And that space changes everything. Mindfulness has been, shorten, has been um, shown to shorten the, uh, what's called the refractory period, which was a term that this guy Paul Ekman coined um, when, you know, when you are completely lost, when you've lost it and you are just out of your mind for a little while and you do things that you say, what was I thinking later on? That's the refractory period and we can get lost in it for a while. Mindfulness shortens that refractory period so that when you start to get lost or confused, if you've, the more you practice, the more the possibility of the thought coming, wait, there's another way. 
oh, I'm getting really stirred up here. Wait, there's another way. And you have practiced coming back to yourself. Just like here in the meditation, every time your mind wanders, instead of, oh, darn, oh, come on back, bring the puppy dog back, come right back to this moment, and all of a sudden, you're here again. It's like you know, pressing the clear button on the calculator. It doesn't matter how complex the numbers get, even past the E. You know, you press that C, whoosh, ah, fresh start. It's a reboot of the system. Ah, come on back. And mindfulness wakes us up from that dream and um, gets us back connected with what's true and what's, what's good and what's clear and what is wise and heartful. So when we're working with thoughts, and we'll be uh, doing this in a meditation in a few moments, uh, you don't have to get rid of them. Just simply see them for what they are. Just mental constructions of mind. And uh, just the last thing I'll read. A beautiful uh, uh, question and answer to this meditation master, uh, Ajahn Chah, who's really one of the lineage holders. He was Jack Cornfield's main teacher and a teacher of mine as well. He says, um, the question is, I still have very many thoughts. My mind wanders a lot, even though I'm trying to be mindful. What should I do? And his answer is, don't worry about this. Try to keep your mind in the present. Whatever there is that arises in the mind, just watch it. Let go of it by letting it be. Don't even wish to be rid of thoughts. Then the mind will reach its natural state. No discriminating between good and bad, hot and cold, fast and slow. No me, no you, no self at all, just what there is. Simply walk, uh, when you walk, there's no need to do anything special. Simply walk and see what there is. No need to cling to isolation or seclusion. Wherever you are, know yourself by being natural and watching. If doubts arise, watch them come and go. It's very simple. Hold on to nothing. Sitting for hours on end is not necessary. Some people think that the longer you can sit, the wiser you must be. I've seen chickens sitting on their nests for days on end. Wisdom comes from being mindful in all postures. Your practice can begin when you awaken in the morning and continue until you fall asleep. Don't be concerned about how long you can sit. What's important is only that you keep watchful whether you're working or sitting or going to the bathroom. Each person has their own natural pace. Some of you may die at age 50, some at age 65, some at age 90. So too, your meditation practice will not be all identical. Don't think or worry about this. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become quieter and quieter in any surroundings. It will become still like a clear forest pool. Then all kinds of wonderful and rare animals will come to drink at the pool. You'll see clearly 
the nature of all things in the world, you'll see many wonderful and strange things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. So it's just learning to become centered and still and connected. Whatever is going on, and the more you are developing that, the more you have access to it, no matter what the external conditions. So we'll sit now. And um, with this meditation, we'll, I'll go over, uh, review the instructions, and then also work with thoughts. So first, as you sit here, feel your body sitting. And again, you might have that balance between uprightness, a quiet dignity, and also a sense of ease. So any places of tension or holding, allow them to soften. Feel yourself connected with the earth, whether you're sitting in a chair or on the ground. Just feel the earth support you. It's here for you, if you let it be. You might also, haven't mentioned this yet, you might also sit with a soft half-smile on your face, like the Buddha's half-smile. Just a slight upcurling of the lips that can affect your whole physiology that can give a little space and not take things quite so seriously. And then begin by taking a few deeper breaths, like we've been doing before, breathing in a calming energy. Just invite it. And as you breathe out, let go. And then let the breath find its own natural rhythm. Let the breath breathe you. And as we've said, this can be your home base, just knowing that you're sitting here and breathing. can always return to this no matter how long you've been gone or where you've gone to, just coming back to that very basic fact. This is a place of refuge, being alive, sitting, breathing. And then, as we've done over the course of the day, we can include any part of our experience in the meditation. Letting the mind be relaxed and open and interested. If sensations become strong and call your attention, then you can let go of the breath and just acknowledge what's here. 
If you need to take care of yourself, if it's a difficult sensation, first see if you can be with it in an interested way, and then when you need to, take care of yourself and move. Move mindfully. If sounds call your attention, they too can be a fine meditation object. Just know that you're hearing. It might be a pleasant sound or an unpleasant sound. That's besides the point. It's all part of the moment. If there are emotions that arise, strong emotions, whether they're beautiful emotions or difficult emotions, they too can be part of the meditation field. As Kate was leading us the last time, using that RAIN acronym to just recognize and allow them to be here. Let yourself feel them with interest and don't take them personally. Just touch, touch it with a kind awareness. And with thoughts as well, they're also part of the meditation field. When you realize that you've been thinking, no judgment at all, simply notice oh, thinking. You might even use that in a very kind tone of oh, thinking. Most of the time, when you become aware that you're thinking, you're not feeding the thoughts and they dissolve by themselves. You don't have to get rid of them or try to figure out why they were here and just come back to the breath. If they're very strong, if the thought pattern is really uh, strong, you might go underneath and find out what are you feeling underneath the thoughts because often Strong thought patterns are fueled by emotions and feelings. And so it can be another indication that it would be worthwhile to check, what am I feeling right now? Whenever you wake up from the thought, come back very kindly, very lovingly, once again, and be here now, opening to this moment with that relaxed and interested, kind awareness. And we'll sit for about uh, oh, 20 minutes now.
notice what's happening right now. Make it like a game, just being present for your life.
what's happening now. If you're tired um, and having a hard time being alert, you might try standing up in your, in your place and continuing in the standing posture. You can open your eyes or take some deeper breaths. Just do the best you can. That's enough.
What's your experience right now? Whether breathing or sensations or hearing or an emotion or thinking, just meet it with a kind awareness, not trying to change or manipulate, just connecting with it in a wise, kind way.
in the last minutes of the sitting. See if you can connect with this moment in a kind, non-contentious way. That's just letting life be as it is and meeting it with a, an interested, kind awareness. If you want to stretch for a moment, we'll just uh, hang out here. Feel your body and appreciate it. It's appreciating you right now. Okay. So, um, I think before um, I jump in and, and, uh, and give any talk, uh, I'd like to just uh, have a check-in with, with you. There might be, I want to make sure that any kind of questions about practice uh, or what we're, we're doing here, um, are, are answered and are clear. So we can take first some time and see uh, if there's anything on your mind. Um, and if there's not anything on your mind, well, I'm very impressed anyway. But uh, let's see. What's, yeah, so for, um, who's, who's, can somebody take it around? Let's see. Oh, great, thanks. Uh, hand in, in the, where is it? In the back. Yeah, you had a hand. There's a hand up. 
this morning you mentioned one of the hindrances being sloth and torpor. What are the other four mm. hindrances? Mm-hmm. Um, the wanting mind. And they're called hindrances because when you don't see them, they hinder clear seeing. So you're sitting there and all of a sudden you think of something that you want or someone that you want to be with or whatever. So that wanting attachment, the mind that says, I want. The opposite, aversion, I don't want. Sloth and torpor is the third. Restlessness, agitation, and worry is the fourth, very skittish mind. Um, And the fifth is doubt, like, I can't do this, or I don't get it, what's the point, or whatever, doubt about yourself, about the practice. And it's good to know that um, these five and all the other difficulties, but these particular have been... Uh, are part of the process and have been experienced by uh, people as long as they've been meditating. So when you, uh, when you find you're in the middle of them or have what's sometimes called a multiple hindrance attack where they all seem to be happening at the same time, uh, that's your learning how to be with them is the riches of the practice. Oh, I can be with anger. I can be with wanting can be with restlessness and worry, like that. Maybe further back there. Thank you for taking the mic around. Um, um, Okay. Right next, Uh, and put it like on an angle, like like this. Yeah, like an ice cream cone. Yeah, and right um, near your lips. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, Right now, I experience like being on a a little tiny boat in the middle of a raging kind of ocean where the waves are just crashing, but I'm just trying to hold the center, but it, I don't really understand, I don't even feel the, uh, the thoughts necessarily. It just feels like I'm just trying to stay afloat. So I'm wondering, is that, do I need to focus on, on something like, you know, a particular point in, in, the, in the horizon? Because it, it does feel confusing. Okay. Can you feel yourself sitting here right now? Yes. Okay. You feel your feet on the ground and your body in the chair? Yes. Okay. Uh, just stay with that for a moment. Okay. Is that confusing? No, that's, that's not confusing. So. Welcome back home. <laughs> that's it. You know, we, can, we can be looking for something... Uh, esoteric, it's as simple as just knowing that you're sitting here. Whether it's knowing you're sitting here or feeling the breath within that, um, whatever, anything that connects you to what's happening right now, here you are again. And you might switch that image of a boat in in a raging sea to simply, oh, coming back to earth and being here in the ground because it's as simple as that. Here's, a, here's a, actually a simple little um, exercise to give you a sense of how mindfulness works that I, I didn't do yet today. Put your hand out in front of you, okay? And now move it back and forth slowly, very slowly, 
Close your eyes while you're doing this and put all your attention on feeling the movement. Right now, is there any confusion? Is there any fear or worry? Feel the movement. Is there any yesterday or today or tomorrow, I should say? There's just feeling the movement. Okay, you can open your eyes. Congratulations, you were just mindful. And in that moment, the mind wasn't in a storm out to sea. It was just here. Oh, feeling the hand move. That is a very connecting, centering, non-proliferating mind that's simply here. And that is a moment where there's uh, ease and balance very different from the stories that we create or try to fix or get lost in. And you can have that same kind of presence, whether it's the hand moving or your breath coming in and out or your body sitting here or hearing a sound or feeling an emotion, pleasant or unpleasant, or knowing that you're thinking, oh, back here, back on planet Earth, this is what's happening. That makes sense. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, over here, and then we'll get over here. Yeah. Uh, you were talking earlier that when we have a um, when we start thinking in our mind, we should label. Oh, that's a thought, and move on. When, when we were doing the last two sitting meditations, especially the first one, Kate led um, about um, feeling our emotions. I felt emotion, um, and, and it led to a thought process that became a problem-solving thought process, and I had like a eureka moment, and it was great. But, mm. but I must have spent five minutes thinking about this, and I was really glad I did. Um, <laughs> so there was like a contradiction there, and I was wondering if you could talk about that. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting just feeling what's going on, and you're not try you were, were you trying to figure anything out? It just started happening. It just started happening and connections were made. Sometimes insights do happen. This is called insight meditation. But you're not trying to figure things out for an insight to happen. Actually, and you probably know this for yourself, when you're trying really hard to come up with an answer, it's very elusive, isn't it? But when you just relax and let go, sometimes there's enough space for the wisdom to shine through. So the mysterious thing is that all you need to do is show up and be here for your actual experience and wisdom shines through, insights can arise, you're not trying to make them happen, and don't get frustrated if they don't. You're simply showing up. Every now and then when something very profound comes and you see things in a new way, then it's okay. It can be skillful to let it register. Oh, oh, I see that. I understand now. But you don't, once you start, keep on replaying it over and over, you've just gotten into rumination. So just, you know, it's a gift from above or wherever and let it register and then come back to the moment. There was a hand back there, and uh, if you can 
Oh, thanks. Thank you. Um, so, uh, in the past, I did uh, TM mm -hmm. for a really long time, and then about, I guess, three, four months ago, I started with this practice, and um, have been, uh, up to now, kind of scratching my head a bit, and um, there have been lots of questions asked today that I have also had. Um, so it's been wonderful to hear that. What just happened in this meditation mm -hmm. that was really, really different is it almost was like when you were talking about thoughts and then we went in, my mind said, okay, thoughts, and it just like <laughs> threw just, <laughs> I mean, just like absurdity. And I've, I noticed, and you used a word earlier that just went, chunk to me, which was awareness. Awareness notices. Yes. And so all, it was like a movie screen was going, and I didn't, I just watched it go by. Yeah. And it was fascinating. Uh -huh. And I used rain, and they weren't troubling, there was nothing troubling about it, but I used rain anyway, mm -hmm. and just got really curious, mm -hmm. and then completely amused at everything that it was so it's and then I I almost heard it say okay well that's not gonna work let's try this and so then I got some more kind of troubling stuff and the rain okay. and then well that's not gonna work let's try this and then I got some really good stuff good future pictures and good just good stuff okay. and I just continued to be curious and it was fa it was still amusing at all the stuff that mind was throwing and then what sh this is where my language is I don't know but what shows up when I don't follow it when I don't get on the train yeah and just allow it mm -hmm. and then what is left Was that a question? No, that's that? it. I think that's it. Uh, I thought you were gonna you were gonna finish the sentence and say, and what is left is. Well, you know, it's interesting because what's left, uh, the only word I have is the word that you use, which is awareness. Yeah. And um, I went into the gratitude temple or uh -huh. the gratitude, gratitude hut, hut uh -huh. and um, noticed a lot of the teachers. Uh, were teachers of non-duality mm -hmm. and um, for decades I have known I am not my body I am not my thoughts I've known it and what I'm becoming aware of is I haven't had an experience quite of it mm -hmm. but you just did and I, I am <laughs> yes you are so, thank you. But you are lovely, mm. beautiful. A few things that, that you uh, that you said that I just want to point out. One is you can be watching the movie and not be in it. And it can be both fascinating and a kick in the head and just 
wow, look at the mind. Okay. You can see it without getting lost in it. And when you can see it and see how amazing the mind is, having a sense of humor makes a huge difference because then you're in on the joke yes. instead yes. of the butt of the yes. joke. Yes. Yes. And when it changes from, as I said earlier, oh gosh, look at my mind to, wow, look at the mind do its thing. And there's a lightness where you're not taking it personally. It's just doing its thing all by itself, right? Nothing you need to fix. Just, you know, like you pay good money for a, a comedy or for some people pay good money for horror shows, you know? It's just, it's just oh, there's this movie now. But you don't, but the awareness doesn't have to be touched by it. The awareness of fear is not afraid. The awareness of sadness is not sad. The awareness of wherever the mind goes is not touched by what visits it for a little while. And the awareness, which is not even your awareness, it's just kind of shining through. You might say, yeah, my awareness. My awareness, my pure awareness is better than your pure awareness. <laughs> Do you make awareness happen? If you're, look, if you're looking at me right now and your eyes are working, can you not see me? Try to not see me. Turn that awareness off, will you please? Yeah. Can you not hear these words if your ears are working and there's consciousness there? Try to not hear. The awareness knows automatically. So it's just even shining through you. You can't claim it as being yours. You're not making it happen. It is just manifesting through you. And all the show that is being manufactured by this amazing thing we call mind is not ours either. It's just happening. And your body itself, you can go to the gym and work it out and whatever, but your body follows its own laws and it's just doing its own thing. And there's nowhere in that whole system that you can point to and say, aha, that's me, I'm making it happen. It's just expressing itself through you and the awareness can see it all. So. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And one more little piggyback on that, which is I discovered a whole other sense of freedom mm. and choice. Because um, just real quick, I noticed when we came back from the walking meditation, Nuji came up. I was like, seriously, Nuji. <laughs> and I just noticed, oh, Nuji is here. And at some prior time, perhaps, I might have said, okay, not done, Nuji. And I just was Nuji. Without a big deal. Nuji Buddha. And Nuji passed. <laughs> and, and what? And Nuji passed. And Nuji passed. Yeah, it all comes and goes. And just like you're saying, freedom that you have, you can choose the big gift. You don't have much, you know, have a minimum or limited control on what's happening out there. 
But as the Buddha pointed out, your happiness depends on your relationship to what's happening, not what's happening out there. Your suffering or your happiness depends on how you relate to the world outside. And that you see more and more. There's a choice. And that is pointing to freedom, even freedom that comes when you let go of the control that you never had in the first place. Yeah. Yes? Okay, by asking this question, I may have missed the whole worship today, but... Uh-oh. Because you were, you were just talking about awareness and we were talking about mindfulness. Yeah. Can you compare the two or mm. the main differences or if there's anything we need to know about okay. those no, differences? No, didn't, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's a good question and it's one that, that can come up a lot. Um, mm. Mostly we use the two synonymously uh, that mindfulness is a, we sometimes say it's a non-judging awareness um, on, a, on a more um, refined level the awareness that I said is just coming through you that's happening all the, all the time automatically mindfulness is a particular kind of awareness that knows this is happening. Mindfulness knows, oh, now breathing in, now breathing out, or now there's hearing happening, or there's a sensation happening. And so it's a particular kind of awareness that uh, is refined and knows your experience. But the awareness is shining through you whether or not you are mindful of it. It just so happens that the particular quality of mindfulness, of knowing what's happening, is, as the Buddha said, the most direct way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, and grief, despair, and realize the highest happiness. So it's a pretty good thing to practice. And all the scientific research now that's out, that's caused the mindfulness explosion is kind of corroborating what has been known for, uh, for centuries, that mindfulness has the property of weakening all the states of suffering and strengthening all the states of happiness. It's the one mental factor in Buddhist psychology. There's 52 mental factors, and some of them are leading to, to happiness. Some of them will uh, lead to suffering like fear, confusion, uh, greed, jealousy, etc., etc., uh, are the states that lead to, that are suffering and lead to more suffering. And then there's love, uh, kindness, generosity, compassion, wholesome states. Mindfulness is the one particular factor that weakens the unwholesome and strengthens the wholesome. And it is a particular aspect of that awareness. Thank you. Let's see. Oh, thanks. I just kind of wonder about the challenge of, of uh, for lack of a better term, I'll just say information overload, that you know, when I think about life at the time of the Buddha, or even life for my parents, um, 
it, it's a lot different now. And, yeah. and you know, when you're saying awareness, you have to be able to shut out stuff around you because yeah. otherwise you go absolutely crazy. There's just so much bombardment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. And that's, that's where something like meditation, where you stop for a few moments and don't take anything more in, is so renewing, refreshing, and connecting because we are, we're caught in the, the, the maelstrom of activity around us and particularly in these days, more than ever in human history, we are enticed and bombarded. You have to pay attention to this and to this. Mm. So you're absolutely right that to know how to go inside instead of externally uh, taking more stimuli in is a key to real connection and freedom. So awareness, the idea isn't to notice everything. The idea, say, the basic principle in the meditation, uh, the, first, the first principle or the first approach would be to notice what's most predominant in your experience, whether it's the breath or a sound or whatever. But if it's hard to stay with, if it's a struggle, then you don't have to stay with what's most predominant. If, you're, if it's a, a very unpleasant sensation or a, an emotion that you're getting a little overwhelmed by, you can just pick out anything, any one thing, and just keep it that simple, knowing that you're breathing in, breathing out. But also, mindfulness has different lenses, and at times, you can open up a wider aperture and notice the sounds as well as the sensations. And it's kind of like a symphony where there's all of this happening in the moment. And it's not like you've got to know this, 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 and this. You can just relax and be the space of awareness in which everything is happening. So there's a, an art to knowing how to connect with the moment in a way that's restful and, um, and centered and clear. And that might mean being very, very simple and narrow, or it might be being very open and relaxed. You, you can see for yourself, how can I meet this moment in a way that's balanced and, and, uh, and clear? Just uh, oh, behind you, maybe one more and then we'll how do you practice mindfulness meditation at home? Is there some guided audio that you recommend? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so maybe a, a few words about, about uh, bringing it at home. Um, there's lots of audios, by the way. There's, uh, if you go to, oh yeah, in fact that reminds me. Um, uh, Michelle uh, printed these out that, uh, the, uh, that there are Dharma talks, today's talks, today's recording, and thousands of Dharma talks. Uh, you can go to dharmaseed.org. I think there's these little slips that uh, she printed out. And click on teachers. You can, uh, and here's the uh, how to get my uh, the, the our talk for the day, and you can download it. 
and there's hundreds and hundreds of talks. And if you go to Dharma Seed, you can just go to guided meditations that will give you as many as you could possibly want. Um, there's, uh, I put out, by the way, I, we put out meditation instructions, simple meditation instructions in the back. So if you want just a little refresher, you can uh, pick up a copy. Uh, on the Awakening Joy website, I have a guided meditation uh, uh, for people. Um, and uh, there's lots of, I think I put out a book list. Are there book lists out there? So at the bottom of, um, uh, are these websites. Also one book, um, Real Happiness by Sharon Salzberg has a CD in the back. If you go in the bookstore, actually, there'll be loads. And I think Jack Cornfield has lots of, of guided as well. Um, but Dharma Seed would be a fine way to do it. As far as going, bringing this back home, if this is your first experience and you are at all intrigued, you might just consider um, taking a little bit of time this next week. This is your window of time. Chances are, if you, if you think, oh, maybe I'll get to that in a few weeks, then six months from now you'll look back and say, oh, that would have been a good thing to get into. But here, this next week, just getting into the posture every day, even for five minutes, and if you have a, f uh, a smartphone, you can get Insight Timer is a good app that I use, Insight Timer or Zen Timer, uh, that's free, and download, and you can just set for 15 minutes or five minutes or two hours if you want. Um, and uh, lots of nice different chime bells uh, you, can, you can use. Um, sit before you sit down. I would, inc I would suggest you try sitting for 15 minutes. But if it's a choice between five minutes and nothing at all, do the five minutes. When I first got into this, I thought, oh, uh, I think I got the idea. You just have to be mindful. Do I have to do the meditating part? Yeah, most of us do, because as you're saying, you're just kind of on this, this uh, treadmill of stimulation. And so taking some time each day, uh, if you can, at the beginning of a day, it makes a difference. You can set your whole day up from, from that. Um, reading good books is a great support. Coming here to Spirit Rock, if you're in the East Bay, come to uh, sit with us in Berkeley. There's sitting groups around uh, around the Bay Area. You just go to the Spirit Rock website and you'll see sitting groups around the Bay Area. Uh, but getting good support of friends to do it with you makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, so there's lots of different things that you can do to support you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'll just... Um, yeah. What's that? Are we still going to do the mental? Yeah. Do that. So uh, I will be here later on if you have more questions. I just want to mention uh, uh, one last thing, and then Kate's going to um, uh, uh, share some heart practices, uh, heart practice with you, uh, as we come to a close. Um, the mindfulness isn't only about 
being here for difficult emotions or for um, uh, finding some center in the middle of a chaotic life, the mindfulness actually can be applied to the good moments in your life. And this is the, the essence of the, the, the joy course and from the, the teachings that, uh, that I've found. Sometimes uh, suffering gets a good, uh, gets a lot of airplay in, in Buddhist, uh, Buddhist teachings. There's the Four Noble Truths, suffer, there's suffering, there's a cause of suffering, there's the end of suffering, there's a path leading to the end to suffering. We can forget this is not about cultivating suffering, it's about happiness. And one way that you might just consider using your mindfulness practice, which is radical, which is when you are having a sweet moment in your life, when you're touched by somebody or the beauty of nature, or you're feeling a, a feeling of genuine compassion or generosity or love or peace. Don't just know, oh, feeling pretty good now. Go one extra step and turn your awareness to your experience and notice, oh, this is what it feels like to feel good. That extra little step makes all the difference in the world to be present for those moments of well-being. That's what amplifies them. That's what develops and increases those wholesome states, which the Buddha highly recommended. We get very used to looking for what's wrong and forget to see what's good and what's right. So I invite you to take this practice home, not just to deal with the difficult, but to deepen and uh, make come more alive all the beautiful moments in your life. And one of those is a feeling of loving kindness, uh, heart practice, and, and Kate now will, uh, will share that with us as we go towards the end. Right, so there's actually four classical heart practices in, in the Buddhist tradition. And the first is metta, M-E-T-T-A, metta, which is the loving kindness practice. It's also could, can be um, translated as friendliness, cultivation of friendliness this innate ability to be open towards not only our own experiences, to ourself, but to all beings everywhere. And then with this openness of heart, the heart naturally responds to difficulty through compassion. Uh, this is the next Brahma Vihara, the divine abodes of the heart heart practices. Um, when the heart is open with metta and we see something that is joyful or happy, somebody is uh, having a good day, somebody is having a success, 
Our friend comes to us and tells us of their good fortune. An open heart full of metta automatically or naturally turns towards sympathetic joy, mudita. We can have an empathetic response of happiness for their happiness. Our happiness, in fact, grows because of this. And then what holds all of it in balance is equanimity, upekka. And equanimity is uh, not only a balancing factor for uh, the heart practices, but becomes a balancing factor for our mindfulness practice as well. This ability to be with whatever is here, not in a cold way. Equanimity, I think sometimes it sounds kind of cold, almost like a, well, whatever, I can be with whatever is here in this kind of um, uncaring, disconnected way. Actually, equanimity is very connected. It's present, it's warm, it's holding whatever is there with heart, but also with a deeper understanding that with whatever is happening, whether it's joy or uh, dukkha, suffering, that life is filled with both and that this is what it, there is, this is what's happening. The 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows, this is the human experience and that we don't have to take it personally. And so equanimity understands this and so allows us to hold it with this openness of heart. So these are the four abodes of the heart. And what I'd like to do is teach you this first one, the metta practice. And this is a practice that you can do along with your mindfulness practice. You'll notice that it has a different flavoring than the mindfulness practice. But the two go together. One is not balanced without the other. In the Tibetan tradition, they talk about uh, wisdom and the heart practices, uh, the wisdom practices, heart practices, being each a wing of the same bird. And that without each wing, without each, in balance, then our, our awakening and our realization, our understanding of how things are, is stifled. And so uh, I offer you this practice to, to intertwine with your mindfulness practice. And how there's different ways to do this. And so um, uh, what I'd like us to do today is bring to mind uh, the people in our life that we really dearly care about. These can be people who have been great benefactors. These can be our loved ones. These can be people whom maybe we see them in our life. We don't know them that well, but there's something about them that just touches us. There's a kindness about them and we can include them in our metta practice. So if you'd like, you can close your eyes and uh, if you're a visual person, you can visualize all of these people that you hold dear. It can sometimes be really helpful to put a hand on your heart like James was teaching us earlier, to feel that, that connection with not only the physical heart here, but also uh, the emotional heart. 
And so as we hold all of these beings that we care about in our heart, we can wish them well. And this is the metta practice, this wishing well, this wishing of friendliness. So I'm going to offer a series of uh, traditional phrases of which you can then repeat in your mind and imagine yourself saying these phrases to these, this grouping of people. You might find that some of the phrases don't resonate for you. And so finding whatever phrase or series of phrases resonates with you, you may even tweak some of the phrases so that the, the wording makes sense for you. And so holding these dear people, we wish them, may you be safe. May you be safe from inner and outer harm. And so then you can repeat that in your mind, wishing this for this grouping of people. May you be safe. May you be safe from inner and outer harm. May you be happy. May you have happiness and contentment in your life. May you be happy. And as you repeat the phrases, you might even breathe with each phrase, allowing for a deepening and an opening, a relaxing into an openness of heart. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be healthy in the mind and in the body. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. May you be at ease on your journey and in your life. May you be at ease. continue to hold these dear people in our heart and now we'll include ourselves in this grouping of people
May we be safe. May we be safe from inner and outer harm. May we be safe. May we be happy. May we have happiness and contentment in this life. May we be happy. May we be healthy. May we be healthy in our minds and in our bodies. May we be healthy. May we be at ease. May we have ease and peace on this journey, in this life. May we be at ease. <coughs> This is a practice that is meant to open the heart towards not only the people we care about and not only towards ourselves, but towards all beings everywhere, which is quite a process. This practice is, is a practice. And so if your heart isn't feeling open right now, that's okay. This metta practice has its way of working in us, even when we feel closed. You can trust that it's doing what it's doing. It's doing what it needs to do. And so, however you're feeling right now, we're now going to wish metta for all beings everywhere. And this becomes a radiating practice allowing our well-wishing to radiate out into the world. And so we can imagine the people here in this room, along with our loved ones and ourself. That everyone here is here because 
they want these things. They want to feel safe. They want more happiness. They want more well-being and health. They want more ease. What a beautiful thing to cultivate. And so we wish these things for everyone here in this room. Wishing this openness and this friendliness to all the other people on the land here, those who are up in the retreat center, who are practicing for the month, those who are in the offices who have supported us being here today, to the animals, the deer, the turkeys, to the smaller critters like the lizards and the spiders, the mosquitoes. Wishing them metta as well. Allowing for this openness of heart and well-wishing to radiate further out into the community here. Across the North Bay Seeping further into this state, the state of California. All beings, nobody left out. The difficult people, those who challenge us, the people whom go unnoticed often by us. All beings. across this country, across this continent, now going in every direction across the hemisphere, across the lower hemisphere. Imagining our heart being wide enough to hold all beings everywhere. Those whom are on land, those whom are in the oceans, those in the sky, those who are having a very prosperous, happy life, those who are struggling in so many different ways. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be happy and content in their life. May 
May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings experience ease in this life. May all beings everywhere have the opportunity to have a taste of presence, of clarity, awakening. May it be so. Thanks. Thank you for coming. Now just take it out into the world and be mindful. And thank you also for your, oh, Michelle has some uh, announcements. Thank you for your support and also help yourself to uh, book list. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.